Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. And welcome to Maximum Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. This is podcast 405 as we take a dive at how do you paint the persuasion picture? When people aren't listening, they're disengaged. They're indifferent. They're not listening. Uh, Your fault. Especially they came in interested or they called you interested or they started interested. And they ended up saying, I need to think about it. I need more information. I need to talk to fill in the blank. Most of the time, over 60% of the time, that is a lie. They're just trying to get rid of you. Stay tuned. We're going to give you some skills to make sure that doesn't happen and you can be more persuasive. Hopefully you're having a great week. Things are happening. You're achieving your goals. You become more persuasive. You're making more money. You're being more successful. You're enhancing your relationships or all of the above. This week I've been focusing on the tech industry helping them with their messaging, what I call verbal packaging, because we all know a confused mind says no. And a lot of times with tech, blockchain, or complicated items, people pretend to understand, but they really don't get it. And the people trying to explain it get it, they're just not very good or patient to get other people to get it. So appreciate all your feedback, love, support, advice. Of course, if you have any of those, send it to me at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. If we use your email on the show, you get the free gold version of InfluenceUniversity.com, which is our advanced weekly get-in-the-trenches, get-more-tools-persuasion training. And of course, everything you need can be found at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, including the free book, Maximum Influence, Pay a Little Shipping and Handling, or the free Persuasion IQ Assessment, and everything else you need to know all in one spot. All right, housekeeping out of the way, let's dive into the Persuasion Blunder of the Week. Don't, don't, don't! So I'm going to this presentation, you know, and I've spent my life monitoring persuasive presentations. Are they persuasive? Are they not? What needs to change? What needs to happen? Teaching public speaking, teaching persuasive presentation... So this is always on my radar, but this was way out there. And the person just pretty much sabotaged themselves. So they're explaining their company, trying to get people interested. And they start off their presentation, bear with me. I'm not a good public speaker and I get really nervous when I speak. Hello? Don't plant that seed. You plant that seed, it turns into a tree because then they start looking for your nerves, your redness, your shakiness. Why would they listen if you're a bad public speaker or they start to look for why you're a bad public speaker? Why would you plant that seed? People do it all the time. I didn't prepare. I didn't sleep. I'm not an expert in this subject. Okay, then why am I listening to you? But people plant the seed all the time and it destroys their credibility and even destroys their confidence. You've just given yourself permission to lose. It's known as the loser's limp. You're pre-excused to fail before you've even started. Now, it's a sports term, loser's limp, because before you start the game, you're like, oh, 
well, my leg's been hurting and I've been sick and I haven't trained very much. Well, my ankle. Well, I had that big meal last night. Before you've even started, before you've even attempted to do anything, you've given yourself a reason, a good reason probably in your mind, why it's okay to quit, not win, or maybe not even try. So be careful in your own life and other people's life. If you're coaching them, they plant that seed, that loser's limp. Oh, I'm not good at this and I can't do this. And A, destroys your confidence in your psyche. B, why would they listen to you? Why would they care? You've lost all credibility. Don't plant that seed. Now, unless it's completely obvious that they're going to tell that you didn't sleep or you're going to pass out when you speak, if it's an obvious thing, you know they're going to notice, then maybe reveal it and let them know why. But be very careful here. I would say 99% of the time you should not reveal it. They have no idea. For example, nerves and nervousness. Again, 99% of the time they have no idea how nervous you are. Unless you lose bladder control, you pass out, or something really strange happens, they have no idea. But most people won't notice unless you point it out. Now, of course, you feel nervous on the inside. You think everybody can see it. You think it's obvious. You think they're going to call you out for your nerves. Rarely, rarely happens. Maybe I've seen it a couple times over thousands of presentations that I've monitored. Very, very rare. So don't plant the seed. Give them something to look at that destroys your mindset hurts your credibility. Don't use a loser's limp where you're giving yourself a pre-excuse to fail before you even tried, before you even started. Don't do it. That's the blunder of the week, both on the mindset self-persuasion side and on the influence side. All right, that brings us to our geeky scholarly article titled The Odorship Effect. This comes from the journal Social Psychology, Dr. Bialik, and Psychology Today, the ownership effect. So research shows us that when you own something, it becomes more attractive to you, not to others, more valuable to you, and of better quality to you. You know, that old couch that people won't get rid of, things that they have, it's called the ownership effect. Now, sub-economic professors will call it the endowment effect. And they say in this study that when we own something, it's twice as valuable to an identical item you don't own. Imagine, doubles it, twice as valuable. And it doesn't have to be a physical item, like is that couch or the ugly, you know, fill in the blank. You know, people hold on to things. But it could be even abstract things like beliefs or values, that if you came up with your own belief or your own idea or you have this value, if it's part of who you are, you own it and it has more value. So when you talk about those ideas, the ideas we come up with, they would perceive better than if someone else came up with the idea and told us about it. So when we own an idea, the concept of opinion, or even a political affiliation, it has more value. That's why I say time and time again on the show, helping people persuade themselves, planting that idea in their mind that it was their idea, their thought, their idea to do it, it has more value because they're going to resist you. Even if it's a great idea, great thought, it helps them, it makes them money, helps the company, whatever it is, they're going to resist you because you're attempting to persuade them and most humans will resist you. you know, these things reflect our identity. Versus loss aversion or psychological reactance, people hate losing things. 
fact, in Maximum Influence, I talk about that losing something is much stronger than gaining something. Losing $1,000, missing out on a sale, has more psychological toll than the reward of gaining $1,000 or getting something that was scarce. Some scientists say it's three to one ratio. Mentally, losing something is three times greater than gaining something of equal value. So that's why we have hoarders. That's why you're probably keeping a lot of things that you don't need. That's why you get offended when someone offers to buy something. You think it's worth a lot more than it actually is. That's why people get so offended when they're selling their home and people make offers. It's like a bruise to their soul. How dare you? How could you? It could be a fair offer, but they're emotionally attached. It's been theirs. That's why you don't go into someone's house and say, yeah, we're going to take out that wall. Woo, look at that carpet. Man, what? <laughs> Right? It's a damage to their self-esteem because this is their house. This is what they own. It's already hard enough to sell it. You're making it a little more difficult. So an interesting study done in 2021, they asked participants to play a short detective game. So murder mystery. And there were clues given throughout. You know, different people had different clues. Different people would find different clues. But when they were allowed to discover who was the murderer... They found their own clues. They owned those own clues. They always rated those more clues as the most useful. And that's what solved the mystery compared to other clues that were given to them. In fact, other research that I was doing found that even in the courtroom, that you know a lawyer can data dump to the jury. This is what's going on. But when they reveal a little bit of the time, the jury's discovering, they're figuring it out, they're realizing that they're guilty on their own versus telling them that they're guilty is much more powerful than just doing it all at once and telling them what they should do and what they should believe. So bottom line, when there's a new idea, even though when logically you know it's better than your idea, even though it's brand new, it's fresh, people resist it. They might suppress it. They might find reasons why they don't like it. You know, getting people to change. We've been doing this for 20 years. When you get people to have ownership of that idea... That they part of creating that idea or coming up with that idea, it changes it. That's why with persuasion, we introduce things slowly. We help people persuade themselves. Maybe you come up with it a different idea. Meaning, if they've said no to something 20 times, that 21st no is very easy. But if you help them come up with a new idea that's a little bit different, but you still get what you want, you still persuaded them, they've come up with it, now you're talking about power persuasion. For example, if you wanted to purchase equipment, no, 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 and all this time, but then, you know, you plant the idea, you work with them, and then all of a sudden they think, you know, maybe we could lease it. They haven't said no to that. You're still getting the equipment, but the idea was just different enough to where they didn't have to resist you, and they came up with it. There you go. The geeky, scarly article of the week. Which brings us to listener email. Oh, boy. Patricia from Vancouver. Yes. You get a membership to InfluenceUniversity.com. So Vancouver, Canada. She says, I love millionaire psychology and learning to persuade myself. Hey, thanks, Patricia. Long email. I'm just going to read a portion of it. As I persuade my prospects, I seem to lose them after 10 minutes. They're usually nice, pretend to listen, but I get this feeling that they've already said no in their mind. They're just putting in time. They're being nice. They came interested, but now they don't seem very interested, and I'm not able to close the deal. 
what's going on and how can I fix it? All right, Maximizers and Patricia, let's talk about what's going on here. And I call it painting the persuasion picture. You have to keep them engaged. If people aren't listening, they're not engaged, they're indifferent, you can't persuade them and own up. It's your fault. If you've lost them, your fault. Now, there might be a few times where possibly maybe it's not your fault, but it's very rare. Because indifference, when they're not lifting, this erodes your ability to influence. And one of the things probably happening is you're not adapting to them. You're persuading everybody the same. Remember, we've talked about this before. You need to persuade people how they want to be persuaded. Now, what's probably happening here, you're probably vomiting on them. Give that same pitch to everyone. But again, maybe they're overwhelmed. Maybe they're confused. Confused mind says no. They're preoccupied. We know when people are rushed, they just don't think straight. They're just not listening. It's very difficult to persuade them, so maybe you might need to reschedule. I mean, there's things that are happening there. So you have to read them and figure out, own up. You want to blame them. Well, they were the dumb ones. They didn't listen. They didn't get it. They weren't really interested. They're there. They called you. They showed up. They're talking to you. There's some level of interest. And if they left disinterested, uh, ding, 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 hello, probably you. So let's talk about four keys or ways to overcome this. Now, the goal here, of course, to paint the picture. Because what that means is if they can't see themselves doing it, they're not going to do it. If they can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, it's very difficult to influence them. So let's talk about painting that persuasion picture. The first one, let's talk about the paint. See, as a persuader, you've done this so many times, you assume they get what you're saying, that they're filling in the blanks. Meaning if I say a car has 450 horsepower, some of you are like, yeah, giddy up. You filled in the blank. You assigned a benefit to that feature. But many of you are like, I don't know what that means. So be careful. It might make perfect sense to you, but to them, you got to make sure they know what's going on. And part of that is the paint, which I call verbal packaging, which is one of the 12 laws of persuasion, maximum influence, is your voice and the words that you use. I think restaurants are the, one of the best places that really verbally package. They make it come alive with words. Instead of a grilled chicken salad, yeah, we had the grilled chicken salad. No, no. Our grilled chicken salad has mixed seasonal greens. Mesquite grilled chicken breast, thick cut bacon, fresh green peas, Brewster farm tomatoes, seasonal carrots, ripe cucumbers, and sourdough croutons with peppercorn ranch dressing. Ha ha ha! We don't know what half those things mean, but woo, it sounded a little better, didn't it? We have pepperoni pizza. No, no, no. Combination of spicy pepperoni, elegant Italian sausage, fresh onions, locally grown bell peppers, Italian olives, thick, fresh, shredded mozzarella cheese, and Milan-based tomato sauce. <laughs> right? You feel the difference? And that's what you got to do. Paint that picture, not only with the words you use, but your voice. Learn to use your voice. Make it come alive. Reflect down when you want credibility. Use vocal variety. Maybe you want to bring your volume down a little bit and bring them in like it's a whisper. These are power tools for persuaders. you got to paint that picture. The second one is that you haven't identified the pain or the problem and or put salt into it and really expose that pain. You've got to expand the gap, meaning most prospects thinking, yeah, I have a three-inch problem. You're like, no, no, that's a three-foot problem. <laughs> so part of that, too, is finding that realistic pain, putting some salt in that wound, 
and let them know that you can solve it. What's that for? What's in it for them? What's in it for their team? But we don't just stop there. A lot of people are pretty good with this. But you're not only creating that pain, but you got to provide the solution. You have to help them visualize that you're there, you have the solution, and they have to be able to see themselves doing it, visualize that you've got the solution, they can easily implement it, they can easily do it, then all of a sudden you have their attention. Oh, sure, we have a great weight loss program. Maybe they don't trust the plan to do it. Whatever it is there, they have to believe in that solution. So you have to reveal that plan and help them visualize that plan, that solution to that problem. And be careful here. Because a lot of times we, we get them hungry, but they go get a meal someplace else. <laughs> Meaning, so you've created the hunger, the pain, and they go solve it someplace else. They go eat a meal someplace. So you create the hunger, but they solve it someplace else. You have to let them know the solution is there. Next key, be a product of the product. You're like, what is that? You're living the solution. You're doing what you're asking them to do. You want them to drive a Ford? You better be driving a Ford. You want them to be healthier? You better become healthier or are healthy at the time. Have a little passion here. You're a product of the product. You're doing what you're asking them to do. You're genuine. You're authentic. You're not just telling them to do it because you don't want to do it. If you were a manager, you've got to be careful here. And you have to understand here that they don't feel that, oh, one size fits all. Everyone gets the same solution, the same product, the same idea, the same thought. They don't want to feel, it might be true that one size fits all, but they don't want to feel that you're given the same solution to everyone, that you don't understand their wants and needs and desires. They just need to know you get them, you understand their pain, and you know where they want to go, and hopefully you've been there before. Kind of like that before and after picture you see on the infomercials. And final one, maybe it's your presentation skills. It's a big one that I focus on. Anybody can present, but are you persuasive? Now, part of that's going to be your practice. Part of that's your surroundings. Anywhere from the temperature in the room to how you sit across from the person, your surroundings. We could spend a whole podcast on that. Even your Zoom setup. Is it the right angle? You're looking straight at the camera. You're too high, you're too low. Your background, the length of the meeting or the Zoom all come into play. So think about that. It could be the surroundings. Should they be standing up? Should they be sitting down? Should it be a round table? Should it be a rectangular table? All these things matter. So part of your presentation skills, being more charismatic. And I was doing research for laws of charisma. This is huge. Again, what are you radiating? Your confidence? Are you optimistic in their future? Do you believe in yourself? Do you have the right balance of energy? What is it that you need to do that you need to add to do better in your presentation skills? So Patricia and everyone, hopefully that answers your questions to paint the persuasion picture. If they can't see themselves doing it, it's not going to happen. They're not listening. They're indifferent. They're confused. They're overwhelmed. Any of those things can really hurt the engagement and the persuasion process. So that's our podcast of the week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. I've got a great new thing that we're putting together based on what we've talked about today. It's your presentation IQ. 10 quick questions on your ability to present, have charisma, and close the sale, whether it's one-on-one or in a group. So go to presentationiq.com, or you can find the link at maximizeyourinfluence.com under the podcast. And everything we talked about today is also under today's podcast link. So this is going to help you. It helps me with my research. 
As a reward for doing it, you get the video training, the perfect persuasive presentation, which includes the template step-by-step, -step, the order of everything you need to do to create a persuasive presentation, and then I fill in the blank with the training. So check that out at presentationiq.com. Because anybody can inform, but are you influential? So check us out under Maximize Your Influence on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Tell your family, friends, and enemies. And take something, something that you learned today. Get another tool of persuasion in your toolbox. Become a better negotiator, a better leader, a better influencer. And come on, go out and persuade with power.